God ought to be the one that we love the most. And if He truly is the most precious person to you, as we often declare, then that means you ought to be willing to sacrifice anything in order to draw closer to Him. Good evening, everyone. Let's all turn to John 3.16. John 3.16. And even if you've, you can recite this uh, memory verse from your memory, just let's all turn there anyways. And let's, I ask you all to stand with me as we read this verse. So let's read this verse out loud now. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You may now take your seats. Now, back when I was in my teenage years, I used to be a very, I used to be a very avid gamer. It was uh, gaming to me was by far and away my, my number one hobby. You can ask my parents. And this hobby of mine it was perfect for someone introverted like myself. You know, I didn't want to socialize. I didn't want to talk to people. I just wanted to stay home. So it was a perfect hobby for me in that way. But here's the thing: it's quite hard to be a gamer when you don't have any games. What's, you can't really be a gamer. And I did have a, a handful of games, but you can only play the same game for a while until it starts to get monotonous. You know, you can't watch the same movie again and again. It gets boring. You can't play with the same people in a sport again and again because it gets boring. You, sometimes you need a new game after a while to shake things up. But I was a teenager. Where am I going to get the money to buy a game? Back in those days, a new game was $60. These days, it's $90. It's expensive. I had no job, so that meant I had no source of income to buy and purchase any new games. So I was stuck playing the same game, Little Big Planet, Warhawk, and I just kept playing these two games again and again and again until I got tired of them. But then I realized, it dawned on me that I did have somewhat of a source of income. Every now and then, my mom gave me $5 to spend on lunch for school. Before I went off to high school, she would sometimes slip me a $5. Sometimes it was $20. That was payday. But she would slip me, you know, sometimes uh, uh, some, some change to spend on school lunch. So I got to thinking, what if I just starve and not spend the $5? I don't need to spend. I don't need to eat. And you might be wondering, that's the reason why I was really frail when I was a teenager, because I was skipping a lot of meals. So what if I just starve, not spend the $5, and save up for a game instead? I don't, I'm pretty sure my mom doesn't know that I was doing this. <laughs> so that's what, I was, I, that's what I started to do. I started spending only a very tiny portion on, on snacks. I would go to the dollar store, I would buy a 77-cent, one-liter uh, bottle of Pepsi, and a small snack-sized Dorito Sweet Chili Heat. That was my snack every single day, and it cost about $1.77 for... All the things that I had left over, I set it aside for my gaming fund. And this worked. I was able to purchase a handful of games throughout high school. I started trading my games for even more games. And I, soon enough, I had a gaming empire, you could say. But that's, it all started with $5. And I see this story in kind of a humorous way. But since I was a teenager, I've come to learn and understand the concept of sacrificing certain precious things 
in order to obtain something that I deemed much greater. In that example, I sacrificed food. And food to me is very precious. But I sacrificed food in order to get games which I loved more than food. Because of how much I loved gaming, an unhealthy love for gaming, I was willing to sacrifice my lunch, endure. I can't even tell you that how many school days I've spent you know, when my stomach is growling. It got to the point where my two closest friends in high school, they would make me lunch. They would bring me sandwiches from home because they knew that I was starving. But they understood because they were also gamers. <laughs> I was willing to sacrifice in order to buy new games. Now, all of us have personal stories, whether it be humorous or serious, in which you've had to sacrifice very precious things in your life for either the person you love or for the hobby that you love. The greater your love is for something or for someone, the more willing you will be to sacrifice precious things in your life. Parents, for example, they sacrifice their health. They sacrifice their well-being in order to take care of their children. When I was hospitalized for months in the Philippines because of my asthma, who was always at my bedside? It was my mother and my father. They would take time out of their busy schedule to be with me. When I injured my lower back, For three weeks when I was in grade nine, it was my mom who was taking care of me, making sure that I had food to eat. They sacrificed so much of their time for the sake of their children. Bosses in the world, some of them take pay cuts. They sacrifice their own personal income in order for their business to grow, in order to keep their employees happy. They take that small sacrifice in order for the the greater goal, and that's to grow their business. Athletes who make it into the professional league that they've been training for, when asked in an interview, they would often say that they had to give up leisure. When their friends were out having fun, they had to give that up in order to master their sport. They, were, they spent that time in the gym, working out, training. Students who want a scholarship, students who want to excel in school, students who are trying to get to a particular university, they often give up their social life in order to do well in school and to achieve excellence. In order to achieve a greater good, sometimes we have to sacrifice precious things. There are loads of examples I could use. But this principle of sacrificing precious things is best seen from the example of God and from the verse that we just read. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Our Heavenly Father loved humanity so much that He was willing to give His very beloved Son for our sake to provide redemption for all mankind. In John 15, 13, it says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus, our Savior, loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own life. I don't need to go in depth in this. Pastor White mentioned this in uh, this morning's sermon, but he gave his own life. He suffered on earth for our sake. He He endured temptation for our sake. He sacrificed a very important thing, not just for his friends, but ultimately for all of his enemies too. He sacrificed himself for all humanity. He loved humanity so much. God's love for humanity is only evidenced by what he was willing to sacrifice for our sake. And how much you love someone and how much you love something can be evidenced by how much you're willing to sacrifice for that. I turn the spotlight on us. How much do we love God? More importantly, fitting for the theme of this Sunday, what are we willing 
to sacrifice for him. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this Sunday. We thank you, Lord, for the great sun, uh, morning worship service that we had. We thank you, Lord, so much for allowing us of 213 in attendance in person. We thank you for all the sacrifice giving that we've received. And I pray, Lord, that as I preach on this matter of sacrifice, that um, maybe some will even be convicted to give to Sacrifice Sunday. And I pray that you would bring in more, more uh, gifts uh, tonight and the following week, Lord. I pray that as well for myself. I pray that you give me the strength, that you give me the, the, the wisdom to be able to preach your word. And I pray that you would just touch the, the, the heart of all of those listening. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I believe all of the things that are precious to us can, can fit into four categories. And as we go in and, and delve into each category, what you have to think for yourself is, and ask yourself, am I willing to sacrifice even this for God? All of us have certain things that we can easily give over to God. Without a second thought, we can just, you know, God, here, take this. And without a second thought, we can just give it to God. But we also have certain things in our life that we guard tightly. That we are unwilling to give over to Him. We are willing, we are unwilling to sacrifice it, but we're willing to sacrifice anything else. But sometimes, that's the thing that we're guarding is what God wants us to sacrifice. Because oftentimes, that may be the, the, what's hindering us from having a closer relationship with Him. The ultimate pursuit of every Christian ought to be a life that strives to get closer and closer to God. That should be the ultimate pursuit of every single Christian. And in that pursuit, there will be precious things that we hold dear that could stop or hinder us from getting any closer to God. There are obstacles in the path of becoming a disciple of Jesus. When we face these obstacles, we are presented with two choices. The first choice is to leave the obstacle alone. Leave it where it is and just be content with our relationship with Jesus Christ at the present moment. And the second option is to remove, to sacrifice whatever that is, whatever it may may be impeding our relationship with God. We remove that obstacle and get rid of it. An individual who prioritizes God will undoubtedly choose the former. They will choose to remove that obstacle from their life. And an individual who prioritizes self will leave that obstacle alone and be content with their current uh, relationship with Jesus. And I ask, which individual are you? Do you prioritize God over anything else? Or do you prioritize self over anything else? Now the first category and the first point is in the matter matter of finances. Now the emphasis of Sacrifice Sunday is already regarding the matter of finances. And so I won't be spending too much time on this particular category. But the matter of finances is a very uh, sensitive area. Obviously, we live in an infrastructure where you need money in order to live. You need it. It's not, oftentimes, it's not a want. We actually just, we do need a certain amount of money to survive in this country in, in, in order to, to take care of our family, if you have one. And on top of that, we live in an area that has uh, an increasing cost of living. You know, I often buy the same groceries again and again, week in and week out. And I've noticed uh, 
the, sudden, the subtle incremental increase in prices within milk, within meats, within cheese, within Greek yogurt, stuff like that, I've been noticing that the price is slowly creeping upwards. And obviously we see that in, in gas. Cost of living, and let's not even talk about housing, but cost of living in Vancouver is on the rise. And so people, we have to work hard. We have to work hard. Hours, we have to put in hours in order to bring money to, to, our, to, our, to have money to feed the mouths in our house. We have to put in lots of hours in order to gain money. And a lot of us, some of you guys, have to work overtime just to make ends meet. And so naturally, our finances become a sacred treasure to us. We literally need it for survival, to keep the lights on, to, uh, to not get kicked out of our home. We need it. And so it becomes a treasure to us. We guard our finances tightly. And for some, finances becomes the number one pursuit in life. They don't have any other pursuit except to get more and more money. They want more and more money so they can go on on whatever, uh, whatever they want to do in life. We see this especially in the life of the, the rich young ruler who approached Jesus Christ. And turn with me there to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We see this in the life of the rich young ruler who went to Jesus Christ and he was wanting to know how to get eternal life. He desired the answer to that question. But there was one major obstacle that this rich young ruler could not or did not want to overcome. Let's read of this interaction in Mark chapter 10, verses 20 to 22. And just follow along as I read this. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And he's talking about the commandments, the law. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. We don't know if this young man inherited his great possessions. We don't know whether he worked hard himself to build up his own wealth. All we do know is that this young ruler had great wealth. He was rich. And we also know that he wasn't willing to abandon this great wealth. He's amassed a good fortune. And there was nothing in life that would make him abandon the, the thing that he prioritized so much. I'm sure this young man was sincere. I'm sure that he truly wanted to know the answer to how to get eternal life. I'm sure that he wasn't a skeptic or a critic, but he was actually a seeker. But his fault lied in the fact that, his, that he loved his wealth more than he loved God. Jesus knew. Jesus beheld him, and he understood that his riches would be an obstacle for him. An obstacle that he could choose to remove, or he could choose to ignore. But what did the young ruler pick? He chose the latter. He chose to ignore this obstacle, even if it meant never obtaining eternal life. You know, this young ruler could have been such a great disciple of Jesus Christ. Maybe if he had stuck it out and become a, a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe we could have even learned his name. Maybe he could have gone on to become as 
influential to the cause of Christ than the disciples. But those are all what-ifs. This is the last we'll ever hear of this rich young ruler. What if he decided to sell all that he had and became a, a follower of Jesus Christ? Maybe he could have done great things, but that's not what he chose to do. He chose to keep his wealth. He chose to keep temporary possessions. Now, it's easy to look at this story to, and then to point and criticize. I look at that rich young ruler. What a, what a dumb choice. The, the, the right answer was so simple. Obviously, you sell everything that you have. Now, hold on for a second. If Jesus asked us the same thing, I'm sure many of us will respond in a similar fashion with the, as the, the rich young ruler. We would respond how he responded. Are you willing to give your finances and possessions over to God? Now, God rarely asks someone to sell all that they have. He rarely asks people to do that. But if you were asked, would you? You may be saying, what kind of situation would, would God make me sell everything that I have? Well, Pastor, I mentioned this this morning. Missionaries. The, the, one, the, the one that comes to my mind is, recently is Brother Rojas. He is a missionary in Japan. He just recently went to Japan with his wife, and he had a lot of great possessions. In his mission, missionary letter, he writes that he had to sell a lot of precious things to him. And he even writes the fact that he was saddened to see some of these things go because he, has, he had attachment to these objects. But he was willing to sell these precious possessions in order to be in Japan where God had called him to be a missionary to. Missionaries often have to sell their houses, their cars, a lot of their possessions in order to move to a foreign field where only poverty and difficulties await them a lot of times. I'm not saying that's, uh, that's all cases, but oftentimes they start out in poverty and difficulty. But they sell everything because they are willing to do it because of their love for God. Today is Sacrifice Sunday. I never want to be one who guilt trips. But if you are someone here tonight who is against giving in general to God, and in this particular instance, giving towards Sacrifice Sunday, there might be a chance that you love your finances more than you love God. That your finances may be, and your possessions may be the, the, that one thing that you are guarding tightly. Now the second category tonight is our fascinations. The things that fascinate us, the things that keep us up at night, the things that we invest the most time in, the things that we are excited to do day in and day out, these are the fascinations that I'm referring to. For some of us, it might be watching a sport or playing a sport. For others, it might be physical wellness. Maybe you like running, you like doing cardio, or maybe you like working out at the gym. For others, it might be entertainment, movies, shows, gaming, maybe even reading books is your, your fascination. Maybe you just like to eat out and go to new restaurants. Maybe it's the arts. You like photography. You like drawing. You like sketching. You like designing. Maybe it's traveling or exploration. And the list can go on and on. Each person in this room has uh, a bundle of fascinations that we love. If you don't know what fascinations you have, look no further than how you spend your time. You take away all the time you spend sleeping. You take away all the time you spend working. You take away all this time you spend uh, fulfilling your responsibilities. And however you spend your time, that is your fascination. Whatever you like to do in your spare time, that is what you like to do, what, what fascinates you in life. 
these fascinations often define us. Other people often know us by what we are passionate about. Oh yeah, he's, he's the guy who likes music. He's a good singer. He's, a, he's just a great musician overall. Oh, she's the girl who, who likes taking selfies and posting on social media. Oh, he's the guy who loves to play basketball and he's, he's a D1 athlete. People know us by our fascinations. People know us by what we like to do. It defines us. Now fascinations, our hobbies are often harmless until they become addictions. Because fascinations are the things that develop into addictions. In my teenagehood, my fascination was gaming. I loved gaming and it developed quickly into an addiction. My father can attest to this. He limited me to one hour. But I, I didn't want to play for just one hour. I wanted to do more. All of us, again, addiction isn't just a word related to drugs, drugs or alcohol or to cigarettes. We can be addicted to anything. We can be addicted to any fascination that we, we have. If your fascination is the only thing that you can think about, it has probably developed into an addiction. And it is when it becomes an addiction that it will start to become an obstacle between you and God. A fascination can quickly turn into an addiction, and that addiction quickly becomes an obstacle between your relationship with God. So there's a development there. And I once again ask, are you willing to sacrifice your fascinations in order to pursue God. There might be a time where you might have to give up certain things that you really love doing in order to fulfill God's will. Maybe in order to be obedient to the Word of God. Maybe you have a hobby that you enjoy that it, it, it conflicts with your convictions. It conflicts with your standards. Maybe you have to give it up. Maybe you have to choose God over your fascinations. He doesn't often do this, but at times, in certain situations, He might. You might be called to sacrifice your fascinations. Let's turn to Matthew 16, 24. Matthew 16, 24. And the verse says, if you're there, it says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself. If we want to pursue God, we may have to deny even our most precious fascinations. The things that have defined us for years, we may have to give up. There are certain things that I really love, that I've been doing since I was a kid. There are certain things that have become part of my lifestyle. But I have to ask myself, I have to take a step back and ask myself... Am I willing to sacrifice this precious hobby of mine if it meant that I can have a closer relationship with God? And we ought to ask the same thing. Are you willing to give up certain things in your life, certain fascinations, in order to, close, uh, to have a closer relationship with God? Do you love Him so much that you're even willing to give up the things that you love doing the most? This is another difficult question to answer. Our third point is this. We have... Uh, a, quite of a, a controversial category, you could say. And it is our family, and by extension, our friends. To most of us, our family and our friends are what we love the most in this world. We are willing to sacrifice a lot for the sake of our family and friends. If you ask any parent, I'm sure that they would all say that 
if, if it meant saving the lives of their, their children, they would sacrifice their own. And I'm sure some sons and daughters would say the same thing towards their parents. Our family is incredibly precious to us. And this is how it ought to be. We ought to love our family. We ought to treasure our family and, and the friends that God gave us. We ought to have a, a thankfulness for that. But there may come a time that even your friends and family can become the very obstacle that prevents you from being closer to God. Let's see this in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Jesus was aware of this very fact. That sometimes our family can be the ones to hinder our progress, our walk with God. In Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 26, this has often um, um, been said that this is one of the hard sayings in the New Testament. And this is regarding the, the, the topic of discipleship. But in 25 to 26, it says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father, Again, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Those are pretty clear words. If any man come to me and hate not his father, and again, by extension, all of his family. Now, is Jesus outright telling the believers, the followers, his followers, to hate their family? Is that what he's outright commanding them to do, is to hate their family? Doesn't that completely contradict his message of love? Well, the thing is, when, what Jesus is conveying in those words is not necessarily to have this, this rage towards your family members. That's not what he means at all. What Jesus is conveying in those words was the fact that we must love God more than we love our own family. Our family is the most precious thing in this world, and it ought to be, but... Our love for God should exceed our love for our family. Someone once said, when our duty to our parents comes in competition with our evident duty to Christ, we must give Christ the preference. Now, Luke chapter 14 and this quote it's not, I'm not encouraging children to rebel. I'm not encouraging children to rise up against their parents with pitch, uh, pitchforks and swords. I'm not asking anybody to rebel against their parents. The Bible is very clear that you must always honor your parents, always honor your, your, your friends, to, be, to, always, uh, to love others. We, this is not a call to rebellion. But what this is, is a reminder that when our very family comes in between our relationship with God, we must respectfully, and you can do this in a respectful way, and you can do this in a, in a very mean way, but you must respectfully choose God. Abraham, he chose God over his own son Isaac. The, that's the very son that he prayed for for years. The very son that he, he probably grew to love because of how, much, how long he's waited for, to have a child. The son that he loved with all of his heart, he was called to sacrifice Isaac. But you know what? Because he loved God more than he loved his precious son, 
he was willing to go and sacrifice Isaac. And God blessed his faith, blessed his willingness to sacrifice. Do you think it was easy for Abraham to do what he did? No, not at all. I could even imagine that maybe Abraham had tears on his face. As he was walking up that mountain, maybe he was starting, tears were starting to well up, knowing that he was about to sacrifice his precious son. It wasn't easy. And similarly, it won't be easy to give preference to God over our family and friends. But this is what God expects from us. You may be wondering, in what situation would I even need to choose between God and my family? I can't think of a situation where where that might be the case. Well, the most common situation I can think of is regarding young people who are called to full-time ministry. They are sure, you know, they've gone to God in prayer and and they just have this assurance that they have been called by God to full-time ministry. But what happens? Sometimes the parents are against it. And here we see the situation play out. That young man, that young woman has the choice now. Do you choose to obey the calling of God in your life? Or do you choose to disregard that call in order to please your parents? Again, I'm not trying to incite rebellion. I'm not trying to incite disobedience. But again, a reminder. We must take preference of Christ over our family and friends. I'm not advocating for rebellion, but I am advocating for God's will to be done and to be performed in each and every one of our lives. Despite what our family may think. Are you willing to prefer the will of God over the will of your family and your friends? We've looked at our finances. We've looked at our fascinations. We've looked at a controversial category in our family and friends. And lastly, we'll talk about our future. As children, we were starry-eyed thinking about what we will become when we grow up. You know, some guys, as teenage guys, we were discussing this around the table, around, you know, whatever we were hanging out. But we, we wondered what type of job we'll have in the future. What type of car we'll drive. What we will look like when we're 30. What person we will marry. And that's a famous topic. We always talk about these things, and it's just nice, you know, kind of seeing this play out. As my friends grow old and we're reaching, I'm about to, in about six years, I'll be 30. So... We are, we're, I'm getting older, and my future that, that I've dreamt of is starting to kind of play out. We had ambitions and we had dreams of what an ideal life would be like. When we, when we become adults, some of us continue to follow the dreams and ambitions that we had as children. And there are some of us, we become more grounded and choose to live a more ordinary life. But all of us are constantly thinking about the future. Some think about the future with fear. And some think about the future with excitement. But the point is, the future, our future, is rarely out of our minds. We're always thinking, 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 okay, next year, what, am I gonna, what are my plans for next year? What are my plans for the next five years? What are the plans for the next ten years? If you're a teen, you're thinking about, again, college life. If you're an adult, you might be thinking about retirement or the like. We're always thinking about the future. You know, are you willing to sacrifice the future? For the sake of God. Your ideal future for the sake of God. There are a group of people in the Bible who willingly sacrifice their futures 
in order to be closer to God. And who is that group of people? It was the disciples. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1 and we'll see just a fraction, just, you know, just one instance of these disciples leaving behind their, their ideal future in order to follow Christ. Mark chapter 1. And look with me in verses 16 to 20. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants, and went after him. Simon and Andrew, and shortly after, James and John, they forsook their nets when Jesus called them. Forsaking their nets meant they were forsaking certainty. If they remained with their father, if they remained as fishermen, their future was certain. They would just live a peaceful life of a fisherman. It wasn't the, the, it wasn't the most noble job. It wasn't the, most, it wasn't the prettiest job. It wasn't the most high-paying job. But it was certain that they would have at least a steady source of income for the remainder of their life. They just need to catch fish and sell it. It would have been a, a simple life. It would have been a life that didn't require faith. It was certain. If they stayed fishermen... They would have had financial stability. They would have certainty for the future. But they chose to leave that behind, to leave that certainty behind in order to pursue uncertainty with God. Again, this is just four of the disciples, but I assume all the other disciples did the same thing. They left their, their jobs, they left their future behind in order to follow God. All the disciples, in a way, had to forsake their nets, to forsake whatever it is that... Um, that was their ideal future life. And again, we too must learn to, in a way, forsake our nets. There's nothing wrong with trying to choose the path in life that will, br- that will logically bring about the greatest success. There's nothing wrong with thinking ahead. But sometimes we let that logic, our logic, and how we uh, think about the future dictate how we serve God, how we give to God how we spend our time with God. Now this point is specifically targeted to young people because you still have your entire future ahead of you. And it asks you to surrender your life to God. Again, I'm not saying surrender your life to full-time ministry because God hasn't called everybody to full-time ministry. But the first step into knowing whether you are called to full-time ministry is to first surrender your life to God, to be willing to do whatever it is that God wants you to do. When you have that, that humility and when you've accepted the fact that God is the one that should guide your life, He will reveal His will to you faster than you would just trying to figure things out on your own. Surrender your life to God. The fishermen forsook their stable jobs, yes, but that's because God had much greater plans for them. They weren't meant to just be normal fishers. They were meant to be fishers of men. Yes, they could have remained fishermen and have had a stable stable career with no persecution, with no hardships, with very little hardships. And all they had to worry about is getting food on the table for them and their family. 
But yes, becoming a fisher of men required, meant that they would experience more hardship, experience more trouble. But they were remembered. Those fishermen are remembered by us today, by what they did for Christ back then. And all 11 of the disciples, and plus the new one that they, they used to replace Judas, all 12 of them went on into the then-known world to spread the gospel and won many souls to Christ. They did more for eternity as fishers of men than fishermen. And it's because they decided to forsake their future, they decided to forsake certainty in order to follow God, in order to follow the, God's best will for their life. At times, we will have to sacrifice certainty in order to obtain and know what it is that God has designed and set us apart to do. Are you willing to sacrifice your future plans and ambitions? Finances, fascinations, family and friends, and our future. These four categories summarize all the things that we often treasure and that we often keep away from God. Maybe you're willing to give your finances, your fascinations, and your future to God, but you're not willing to give your family. Maybe you are willing to give your family, you're willing to give your future, your fascinations, but you're not willing to give your finances. It's most likely that at least one of these four categories we are guarding and keeping away from God. But remember, you can only play keep away for a while until God decides to take it away instead. <laughs> a couple weeks back, the, the kids were playing in that room over there, the Purpose Teens room, and me and a couple of other guys were trying to clean up. And I told them, all right, for, when we're cleaning up, just, guys, stop the ball, stop playing for a while, and just let us clean up without, you know, having to worry about hitting you guys. But they weren't listening. So, and they, one of them hit me in the, <laughs> the shoulder or whatever. So, obviously, I, I could have ignored them, but I decided to take the ball away from them. I decided to, you know... You decided to keep it away from me, but I'm now going to forcefully take the ball away from you until I am finished. And we do the same thing. Sometimes we're trying to keep away. We think that we can keep away certain things in our life from God. But you know what? We try, we guard it too much. God may decide to take it away from your life. Job 1.21 says, The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. In His sovereignty, He has the, the, the power to do so. He can take away certain things in the life that we are just hoarding and not will be, are not willing to sacrifice to Him. And as Pastor White said this morning, He doesn't want to forcefully take these things from us. But He wants us to freely sacrifice these things to Him. As the late missionary Jim Elliott once said, He is no fool who gives what He cannot keep to gain what He cannot lose. Folks, God ought to be the one that we love the most. And if He truly is the most precious person to you, as we often declare, then that means you ought to be willing to sacrifice anything in order to draw closer to Him. We often declare that the most precious thing in this universe to us is our love for God, is God Himself. But our, is our actions and our willingness to sacrifice, does that, does that match our statements? Sacrifice is a part of the Christian life. It's not something we do to earn God's love. It's something we do to show our love for Him. And as we conclude Sacrifice Sunday, we ought to ask ourselves, what am I willing to sacrifice for God? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.